but I don't want to. An anxiety happy hour is three adults with anxiety talking about mental health and other sensitive topics. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to, but I don't want to, an anxiety happy hour. Or anxiety happy hour for short. Or as I like to call it. Ah! <laughs> oh, do you have doomsday anxiety? I mean, I don't know that I would call it doomsday anxiety, but I think I have doomsday adjacent anxiety. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, so I am a planner. I never move anywhere or take a trip or do anything like that, that I don't have all the little details planned out. So I've known people who are actually doomsday people. (laughs) Like my, my former roommate's dad has a bunker built out in the woods, has goats and things so that he can be self-sufficient because he thinks one day he's going to have to have it. Fabulous. I love that. I mean, he's crazy. He does have a dog named (laughs) D.O.G. So, yeah, I would say I don't have the kind of doomsday anxiety that, like, plagues me on a daily basis. You know, every once in a while, you're up because you can't sleep because, you know, insomnia, anxiety, medication, it all just works together. And I might go down a Wikipedia or even worse, a YouTube rabbit hole. And that is when the doomsday anxiety can sometimes kick in. Sure, yeah. I have no object permanence with doomsday anxiety, but once I remember it exists, it is there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm scared of this. <laughs> yeah, it's like out of sight, out of mind. I'm fine. Yeah, I will keep on living. Comes back into my realm of um, thoughts and, oh my gosh, why are we not all panicking and preparing? I feel like there has been several circumstances in our friendship when something has come out of my mouth and the look of horror that has passed your face when that clearly never bothered you before, but now it does, is readily apparent. <laughs> Depends a lot. <laughs> we are talking about Doomsday today. What kind of triggers, if any, do you guys have about it? I always have a little bit of... It's not claustrophobia because I, I actually love small spaces. That's not an issue I have. Of the myriad of issues I have, that's not one of them an emotional small space and so the the doomsday type thing i have is if i feel trapped in a situation i know that that isn't quite doomsday it's sort of along the lines of i fear that something i don't know what but something is going to explode about this situation and i need to be prepared to manage that Yeah, that's how I feel about relationships. That's interesting. I never thought about it from an emotional perspective. My triggers, I I, see, I think of doomsday and I think of, you know, actual doomsday, child of the 80s with, you know, the memories of, you know, fallout shelter signs everywhere. And also because I had that morbid curiosity as a child and still do as an adult, I did a science fair project on nuclear power. So I learned all the things about, 
you know, say Chernobyl, you know, stuff like that. I am definitely afraid of like ionizing radiation, like something you can't see that is 100% capable of killing you. I think that's messed up stuff. Also, like think in a doomsday end of world scenario. And unfortunately, maybe even in real life with the way things are going, a lack of clean water kind of freaks me out. Dying from complete dehydration seems absolutely terrible. Right now, a lot of the articles and stuff that I I watch on the news have to do with more of the not clean water that Mm -hmm. you're drinking water, assuming that it's fine. And then it causing cancer or whatever nonsense no flint still doesn't have clean water just saying we used to think of like haha funny you died of dysentery on oregon trail now it's like oh yeah you're drinking microplastics that are building up now causing harm that we have yet to study so yeah that's pretty terrifying getting trapped or confined like beamer you like small spaces i don't i'm a i'm a large (laughs) fella you know i'm festively plump i think a small space is probably like the least comfortable thing for me to be in you know spelunking or something like that building collapsing down on top of me unable to move oh just the worst (laughs) i'm a little bit of a product of living overseas and Mm -hmm. it's a very common thing to sort of be taught to when you're in a restaurant or something have a wall behind you you can see what's coming your way be aware of your surroundings and so i was sort of raised with you want to be able to guard all sides. The reason I like small spaces is because I know which way danger would come from. Mm, That's intriguing. I hear what you're saying. (laughs) It makes sense. (laughs) But also part of my triggers with Doomsday is I don't have a lot of survival skills. So that's great. My left and right and back can be covered. But if I watch say a zombie coming towards me i am just gonna have to face death head on i guess (laughs) what kind of zombies are we talking about because that's important any of them any of them them. (laughs) she's like i am ill-equipped to deal with the slow ones the fast ones the smart ones the dumb ones all of them are gonna eat me (laughs) i feel like just somewhere or another there's gonna be some teeth grazing of my flesh and i'm gonna i'm gonna go <laughs> but how good of a zombie do you think you'll be it doesn't matter that's my opinion <laughs> <laughs> when covid first hit and we were all kind of scared as a, a global entity humans i started trying to identify edible plants in my backyard and wanting to know which plants if necessary I could eat. I'm still not very good at it, but that's that's a, a tip of the iceberg for survival skills that I could delve into. I just, I don't have any now. I don't think that I could kill animals to eat. I also, like with a weather doomsday, I have a total fear of not being able to control my outcome. So like at least with zombies, you know, you can run, you can try to build a fortress or whatever. <laughs> like I could do that. You could you could have some piece of control or say in the matter, but not being able to have any say, just it's Mother Earth and she's taking us down with her. That scares <laughs> me entirely. Fair enough. I think when it comes to those natural disasters, uh, you sort of forget about it until something that, you know, just gets put in front of you. You think of something that you're so disconnected, say the tsunami in Japan 11 years ago, right? That was insane when you start to find more and more footage of it. You don't really understand the scale of it. And then to see it actually happen and realize like people 
lived through this or died by it is just absolute insanity. I mean, th- nothing can stop that. doesn't matter how high you build your wall. It's going to win. Mm-hmm. I think something we definitely see in the news is no matter how much you planned for something, when a natural disaster happens, you find weaknesses in your plan that you did not know existed. Absolutely. Which, you know, doesn't induce any anxiety whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. Exactly. <sighs> in terms of past experience, you know, there haven't been too many scenarios where I really felt like it was a doomsday scenario, except I think back to one particular time. And I I definitely wasn't in real danger when I look back at this. Boy Scout camp, it's summertime, you're in the woods. There's all sorts of thunderstorms that happen up in New Hampshire. You know, it's a large area, so they have to have, you know, a way to notify everybody to come into a particular place. Air raid sirens aren't popular up here in the Massachusetts (laughs) area. We are not really in Tornado Alley, so it's not something we worry about so much. You really only see sirens near, you know, things like nuclear power stations. But they had one. And they let it rip and there was a severe thunderstorm one time and we had to evacuate. And so to me, I assumed that was going to be the end right there. There was just so much thunder and lightning surrounded by tall trees. All I'm thinking in my little 11 year old brain is I'm going to die. (laughs) Your little 11 year old brain. Were you saying doomsday? What is your definition of what would be a doomsday scenario? To me, a doomsday scenario is something where no matter what you do, it is unlikely that you're going to survive and that it, you know, would apply to a vast number of people. Mm. Yours is more like a global scale. There's no personal doomsday. It's you all in it together and you all die. I I don't internalize it so much and think about like a doomsday for myself. It just seems a little over the top. (laughs) (laughs) fair enough but that's yeah it's just my take on it i mean i definitely think that there has to be a little bit of the global scale because doomsday it's a pretty big word it's the difference between a killing and a massacre there there has to be numbers involved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yours kind of surprised me bunsen where it was like there it's bleak for everybody it is doom for all (laughs) yeah but when i think of doomsday i think of a catastrophic event that completely changes the way everybody lives and whether that means they don't Mm. live or (laughs) just have to live differently just something that completely turns the world upside down so i think there's still a chance for survival in mind do you consider things like the great depression a doomsday i don't i guess i probably should but yeah i mean that was catastrophic for a lot of people and for at least that generation of people changed the way that they lived forever. That's a very good point. It was also, in, it affected people different. Not everybody sort of suffered through the same fate. Obviously, standards of living were very different, too, in a, a situation like that. Plus, somehow the country still had the ability to kind of pull itself out of it and, you know, just start building things because I guess that's what fixed it, right? Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But said like a true historian there. Right. <laughs> you know, FDR with his like, uh, what is it? The work projects administration. Sure. It was a change, but it didn't seem like a, a doomsday. It might've been a doomsday. If you were one of those wall street people that jumped out of the, the skyscrapers as tall as they were in the twenties. Talking outside the U S there were tons of countries that really, really struggled to, to come out of the great depression. Part of the reasons we ended up having world wars. 
were that people were like, our government has to change because they're not taking care of the people. How can it be that I can't afford a loaf of bread? It's true. The hyperinflation that you always hear pointed to in the Weimar Republic and what let Hitler come to power. A trillion marks for a loaf of bread. Eh, not great. But was it doomsday? What we're trying to find out, man. <laughs> I'm going to say no, and I don't know why, but something inside me tells me to say no. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Is it your anxiety? I'm just asking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. This is more hopeful. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. I think things like, you know, economic disaster, an economy is like a creation, right? Like it, it only exists when people are participating in it. I mean, the economy could get blown up completely. Yes, your standard of living would change, but who says it's for the worst i mean do many of us love capitalism these days it's becoming less and less popular you know um so there's that i so for me i I think it's more about physical scenarios less like circumstantial changes and more like physically the earth has been you know scarred or scorched or something of that nature what about New York 9-11? You had two massive buildings collapsing down, destroying a huge area, and thousands of people dying. I felt like the world was ending in that moment. Yeah, sure. in that moment. But I, I don't yeah. know that I look back at it and think that was a doomsday. I think maybe living in a country that has war on its home front would feel like doomsday. Mm, Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. Or Syria. Yep, Syria. Israel. Always. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I... for me, I think that if we had been in New York, it might have felt more like doomsday. We were all scared. We saw the effects on our country. But I, as far as I know, none of us were in New York on 9-11. Nope. I was uh, comfortably asleep in my bed. <laughs> Thought for sure we were next. Oh, so did Minnesota. You will not have an overwhelming <laughs> opinion that it's Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've talked about kind of what our personal perceptions of Doomsday are, but there have been a lot of different depictions in media about it. Do you guys want to kind of talk about just the different ways that pop culture and the arts have gone? Hell yeah, we do. Cool. So did you guys see season nine? I think it's season nine of American Horror Story Apocalypse. I have not. The only one I saw was the Covenant season because you dragged me to the house in New Orleans. And so I was like, I've seen the house. I feel like I got to see the season. Yeah, that was a really good season. I've not watched it either, but I am familiar with at least the ads that were on for it. All right. So to sum it up, the witches are back. That part happens. But the, the basis of it all is that the world is ending. I think a bunch of nukes went off or something and a bunch of rich people had access. I won't say a bunch, maybe like 20 rich people had access to a bunker where there was a storage of food and like a a radiation cleaning shower area where they like would hose you down and scrub you violently. And then there were also like characters in the show that were out in the wasteland, very much like the video game Fallout. And I think (laughs) I've only played one version of the game. It was it was very typical bunker supplies. Don't go into the outside. And then also there was the Antichrist. Okay, of course, a lot of the opinion I'm about to have has to do with whether or not you know a doomsday is coming. If a meteor is crashing into the world, scientists saw it coming, 
you have time to prep shows the huge disparity between classes because if you got money you're gonna be a lot more prepared than if you don't have money Mm -hmm. that's fair that was also a movie recently with jennifer lawrence oh i love jennifer lawrence and i think leo was in it yes the um oh what was it on netflix the one where no one would pay attention to what they were saying yeah 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 yeah. they thought it was adorable there was an asteroid coming and it was going to hit earth but people were only concerned about what's it going to do to our uh, campaign numbers? What's it going to do to donations and social media and things like that? He's um, so short-sighted. <laughs> yes, it was absolutely fantastic. And I'm kicking myself for not remembering what it is. So, of course, is it, I have to look it up. Is it Don't Look Up? Yes, you are correct. Ah, it was so good. I enjoyed it immensely, even though it did make me very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched some of i didn't see all of it god's favorite idiot he is trying real hard to get people to listen to god's message and there is a whole lot of people who are a little short-sighted or a little so in their their own opinion of what is the right way that they just ignore him as well oh man that short-sightedness it'll get you every time every time so speaking of short-sighted let's uh let's take a long view right you find out the asteroid's coming you find out there's a bunker you find a way in do you do it do you go to the rich person's bunker or do you just take your chances with the rest of the plebes oh i'm definitely going in the rich person's bunker (laughs) (laughs) no doubt yeah if i get a choice absolutely (sighs) see I want to say that I could live in a confined space like that and just like exist, play the same old TV shows or, you know, watch the same old movies, like just waste your life away. Right. Chances are you're never getting out of that place. Right. Like you're, you're going to live there forever. Here's the thing. I think mm-hmm. you have a better chance of if you got into the bunker, decided you hated it, breaking out, than if you didn't go in right away trying to break it. That's fair. I, I I can accept that logic. <laughs> all right. So so we're all in agreement. If you find your way into the bunker, you're good. But would you go out of your way to try to find the bunker if there was a rumor it existed? You gotta have something to live towards, right? So I think you need that sort of hope. When you watch Walking Dead, that was definitely something that they always were working towards something. Otherwise, it's just humans killing humans. I mean, zombies were involved too, but mostly humans (laughs) killing humans. (laughs) That is fair. Let's talk real quick about the crazies. Because (laughs) there is reasonable prepping for Doomsday. And then there is is the conspiracy theory cult nonsense that exists that you look at them and you're like, I'm sorry, did you forget your tin hat at home? Because I should have been warned. I'm, I'm sorry, did you just refer to that as nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> it's secretly Bunsen. <laughs> I look up to I, them so much. <laughs> listen, everybody knows that when a tsunami or a meteor is coming to crash into the planet, having, you know, a hundred thousand rounds of, you know, five, five, six ammo is definitely going to make everything better. I mean, it would for the zombie situation. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That is fair. I can accept that. But what if you prep with all these guns and then the catastrophe is water related and it ruins your guns? Sharks. Oh, Ooh. um, like sharks eat the guns. 
Yeah. <laughs> when sharks eat the guns, what's your plan now? Uh, well, as long as they don't eat the bullets, right? I mean. <laughs> He's just going to throw the bullets. Yeah, you're supposed to punch the sharks in the nose, right? So you just throw the bullets at the nose. There we go. Perfect. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, when this... we're talking of mm-hmm. the not actual doomsday, we also have some pretty impressive media out there that portrays that. For example, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that she thinks that there is a doomsday issue. Obviously, that was not true. I also remember back in the day, Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser that his family ends up in a bunker for 35 years. Oh my gosh. And then jokes on him, not in fact any world ending thing, just a plane crashed on his house. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. I've never Absolutely. heard of it. Oh, <gasps> you oh my gosh. I'm going to send you that YouTube video later. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> to, to be fair, right? Like that was a reasonable scenario back in those days. Like lots of people had those sorts of fallout shelters because it was right after the Cuban Missile Crisis. There were tons and tons of nuclear missiles and it was an active threat situation. People were legitimately afraid. Oh, yeah. These people that are making bunkers these days are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's not to survive a nuclear apocalypse. It's just to survive when the roving bands of like bandits or like cannibals <laughs> or zombies or whoever. You shouldn't talk about Republicans that way. Ooh. <laughs> I've seen some of the like really nice bunkers out in the desert that people pay buku money for. Absolutely. Don't forget there are people who have who shills that sort of survival stuff on. I think that there is a lot of fear mongering. Yes. Yes. So do we think that these preppers are all experiencing untreated high levels of anxiety is this really what the problem is <laughs> i definitely I, think there's some disordered thinking yeah i definitely think they need to go to therapy <laughs> we can't just deal with our feelings by shooting off our ar-15 so yeah look into alternative ways to work through let's say the three of us make the perfect doomsday plan any scenario we gotta think we see the end of the world coming maybe Brittany becomes a seer and we know that that thing's coming. (laughs) We end up in our bunker. We have all the supplies we need to last till the end of our life. I don't think our anxiety around doomsday goes away. Mm -mm. Because then with those like different things that we've mentioned, like the Brendan Fraser movie and Kimmy Schmidt, like what if what if the world didn't end? Like, what if we're seeking shelter and the world is going on around us still? Or what if you, you know, you, you've made a plan, you've picked your crew of people, you're now locked in. What if you start to not trust each other? You always see that happen in enclosed situations. Mm-hmm. You know, the author, um, Chuck, something with a P, that oh, he wrote Bike Club? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He also wrote one called The Haunted. And this book haunts me. It's beautiful how much he can make you hate somebody. But he made me hate every single character in that book. And it's about this group of young people, like teenagers, that decided to secretly not tell their parents, join a writer's retreat. Only they get to this writer's retreat that they left their house in the middle of the night, got picked up by strangers, children please stop doing that place to do their uh dishes or laundry a place to sleep plenty of food 
etc and they decide not collectively as a group they each the terrible teenagers that they are decide to do awful things to themselves and to others so that they have a better story to write about later and low-key that's what i think it would be like being in a bunker with people (laughs) you know it's funny too because Peleniuk spent a lot of time writing about doomsday scenarios he had another book survivor where the person would literally ended up being the only survivor of a doomsday cult like the rest of his cult committed suicide and he was the last one left and then he becomes some sort of messiah-like prophet it just his imagination is amazing but he definitely thinks a lot about these types of groups and these types of scenarios i gotta say i love the books that are dystopian i like the giver i loved Mm -hmm. the giver i remember the one that was post-apocalyptic that really stuck with me and then got turned into a terrible movie z for zachariah i remember that just one young girl living by herself and then somebody like comes and invades her little valley definitely definitely intense when we're talking survivor i also love books like my side of the mountain that the the kid becomes sort of like self-sufficient yes love that absolutely that was a phenomenal one it was a little disheartening because in the end he figured out that he couldn't quite do it (laughs) is it because he's a young child and they need to stop thinking they're grown i'm sorry i have two teenage niece and nephews that are driving me a little bonkers sometimes with they think they know but they don't know I, i don't quite remember but i do remember when he was cultivating algae so that was something else i remember when he looked up in the library and realized he needed to eat liver delish that's a thing now too eating liver eating organ meat apparently is how you get your nutrients according to influencers i mean you can somebody posted up a tiktok about this is how you eat a raw testicle okay we've taken this too far (laughs) one of those rocky mountain oysters (laughs) Uh, those at least are deep fried you know you get a little it renders the fat your doomsday scenario in your ideal bunker are you keeping animals or are you just trying to convert to a plant-based diet i'd have to go plant i don't think that i could kill and eat an animal okay but even if you don't kill and eat an animal what about like chickens so you can have eggs it's a liability right because then you have to feed the chickens and protect the chickens and waste protective measures protecting the animals yeah but they'll keep your secrets not like the other people (laughs) (laughs) you really would have to plan for this i'm definitely keeping goats i'm keeping goats because that's the perfect way to get rid of my trash that's fair Uh, yeah i mean you can't keep something like a cow like goodbye hamburgers that's not gonna happen anymore oh Uh, that methane gas yeah yeah I think it's more reasonable to think about something like chickens and then, you know, something like fish. I might have to, like, get over my, you know, childhood thing of not eating fish because I had them as pets. I I think that that might be the way. There was a place where uh, Brittany and I went to college called City Roots, and they had a fish pond cycle thing. They would raise the fish because they, they sold fish to restaurants. But the filtration system that they did, the water that was with there would cycle through these pipes, through plants, and back out into the fish to, like, reoxygenate 
the the water and i always thought that was very very cool yes yeah that is very cool actually you would definitely need to be growing plants down there right you got to make oxygen somehow oh for sure you know what i think at the very least you need hamsters to spin wheels to to operate the grow lights to grow the plants so so you definitely do need some animals but all right anyways i'm gonna write that or do you force yourself to make a gem that all the equipment generates power Ooh, that would also be a good one our gym in college generated its own power through the machines which i thought was bananas it does make sense you can generate a, a decent chunk of power there there's a chance hear me out that if it is like a natural disaster like uh noah's ark say there's a flood <laughs> and maybe not everybody dies, but maybe not only two people on a boat live. The world like really started repairing itself when we were all hunkered down at home in early 2020. Significantly less humans. I think that, you know, you're going to have a plethora of plants and whatnot to choose from and not have to really necessarily worry about growing. Well, that goes back to our idea of you know, fake doomsday, when do you go out of your bunker to check if it's okay? Ooh. Well, I was going to say in that case, right, do we have to pick, like, what would our ideal doomsday actually be? (laughs) Are you picking your favorite disaster? Well, yeah, I mean, so there's going to be one type of, like, doomsday scenario that we feel is more survivable than any other. Okay, so say it was just you know, the the 97th variant of COVID is the one. It finally figured out how to spread really quickly and kill us all very fast, right? And, you know, you were a scientist. You saw this coming. You're like, uh, this is it. We're, we're totally screwed. <laughs> you're going to wear a vial of dirt around your neck. And turn my, my pee into water. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> and just not worry about it. <laughs> But wait, is the way the rapture works though is that just it takes like the the good ones and then everybody else gets to suffer through all the end times? Um my understanding is it doesn't just take the good ones, it takes the the believers. So you can be a crappy uh-huh. person, right, and still believe in Jesus. She's <laughs> hoping someone else makes the decision for her. Yeah. Uh yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine either way it would be that bad, but I would still qualify that as a doomsday event. Okay. What's the absolute worst case scenario doomsday for you? Zombies. You were talking about it for for me, Bunsen. Things in the air, viruses that I can't see. No, no, no. I don't want anything to do with that because then you never know who the enemy is. Mm. That's fair. For me, I think it's still... But just just being ever so slightly far enough away that you don't die from, like, the actual impacts and explosion, you die slowly over time from your horrible radiation exposure, and your body just melts. I'm also, like, a real scared of the doomsday that feels like it's a Bruin in the States of so much animosity towards each other that I think at some point there's going to be a breaking point that people just won't be able to live in oppression anymore. You think in, like, French Revolution? See, the French Revolution had somebody that they could chop their head off and, like, viva la resistance. But in a situation like us, uh, 
we can't even say that it's the president or even Congress. It's so everything about our establishment that there there's not a guillotine big enough. Don't worry. There's like at least one gun for every person in America. So it can be a fair fight, right? No. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Do we think that having anxiety has helped us in any way, shape, or form to prepare for these doomsday scenarios? I cannot sleep somewhere that I haven't found an escape route. It's a real big anxiety I have. I don't want to be trapped in a situation. I need to know how to get out. So whenever I go to a new place, I check all the exits and I know the way out. And that has helped me on multiple occasions, including that time my friend and I had to jump out a window with a keg in order to avoid the popo. I'm just saying (laughs) it comes in handy. Now, did you have to take the keg or was the keg something that? Oh, my friend's name was on the keg. We had to take the keg. (laughs) I don't really think that having anxiety about doomsday is helpful because it's it's going to happen, right? And you're going to have to buckle down and deal with it if it does happen. Um, so maybe worrying about it ahead of time isn't very useful unless you do start. If you were at it like a pop quiz, if you didn't touch your notes ever since or didn't even write notes, and then you walk in a class, find out there's a pop quiz, you are unprepared and you're going to fail that. If you every night after class, you know, look at your notes, try and figure it out, sort of have a grasp on it by the next time you go to class, you're going to be a, that little bit of an inch that could give you the advantage to really pull up your grade. That's a decent analogy, I think. I, I would agree. Something that I think I'm going to take it to like the sort of root of anxiety, right? Like, you know, the fight or flight, right? Fight, flight, freeze. You know, as long as your anxiety doesn't make you freeze up, it does give you that sort of instinct of like, oh, something's wrong. You get that little spidey sense. I'd say that overall, it it probably is kind of helpful to, you know, have that heightened awareness that something might be wrong in terms of is it going to help me survive the apocalypse? I think I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that I probably won't make it, but that's okay. You know, live a full full life, have no regrets, and uh, I'll just deal with it. You know, obviously, some scenarios like zombies, where we're not going to be able to as easily prepare for because are they slow? Are they fast? We just don't know. Is it really their, our brains that they're after or do they like our sweet, sweet flesh? I'm not sure. <laughs> On things that are more like global warming issues, stuff like that, when you are a bit of a doomsday prepper, that's what leads to things like climate activists that help us to avoid the doomsday. So Greta Thunberg, number one, all-time doomsday prepper. <laughs> I think I she's even better than a doomsday prepper. She's trying to prepare us to be preppers. Meanwhile, we have record heat waves all over the country in Europe. Record droughts everywhere. It's like, oh, this is uh, either a really interesting coincidence or we should have been prepping. Welcome to growing up in the South every summer. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. No well, are paid. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> so thank you everybody for uh, coming and joining us on this week's episode. You know, I think we should raise a glass to all those Dean's Day preppers that became activists and are helping us to avoid what seems like an inevitable crash of our na- natural world. To all you out there doing the hard work. Ah. <laughs> now to roll the credits. Big thanks to Sam Rochford for her use of the song Pedals. You can listen to the full version on Spotify, Apple Music, or any of those other places that you find music. If you want to connect with her and you're secretly 83 years old, like me, her Facebook page is called Sam Rochford Music. And if you're hip and cool, her TikTok is Boring Sad Music. Do you like our logo? It was done by friend of the pod and artist extraordinaire, The Ramble Pies. Her Instagram and TikTok are at the.ramble.pies. Don't know what you want, but want some art? Her Etsy is The Rambling Merchant. Now that's all one word. She does do commissioned works if you have something in mind. You can reach us at Linktree slash Anxiety Happy Hour. On Instagram at An Anxiety Happy Hour. On Facebook at An Anxiety Happy Hour. On YouTube at but I don't want to in anxiety happy hour on Twitter at anxiety HH pod, because apparently there's character limitations. Thanks. Elon on TikTok at an anxiety happy hour or email us at an anxiety happy hour at gmail.com. This has been a be anxious production. Oh, do we use up too much of the internet? You know, like your <laughs> cell phone data. <laughs> and he's like, that's, not how it works and i was like uh, are you sure jada's been on the computer all day are you sure she didn't use up all the internet maybe you need to buy more internet and um, i don't know why it's wrong i just know it is wrong <laughs> <laughs>